This episode with special guest Monique Wheeler, licensed acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist, is about getting rid of emotional gunk, finding the root causes of disease through the human complexity, muscle testing and essential oils, and trauma and traditional Chinese medicine. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature, inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candace Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. This episode is brought to you by the Soul Body Women's Retreat that will happen in October 2018. This retreat is a very special small group retreat for women who are inspired to deeply connect their soul and body so that they feel at ease and at home in themselves and to transcend beyond soul into spirit and into a conscious and free way of being. This five-night retreat is full of yoga, meditations, ancestral healing through family constellations, somatic healing, and each woman will get personal attention through whatever it is that they personally intend in their lives. For this and other retreats, you can visit candicewu.com slash retreats. And now let's jump into the podcast. So we have Monique Wheeler today, licensed acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. And what I love about Monique is that she's completely down to earth and grounded in reality, yet also in touch with the magic and intuition, uh, the intuitive power of herself that supports someone in healing. Monique's practice is Meridian 87, which is a Chicago acupuncture and Chinese medicine practice located in the neighborhood of Lakeview. And Monique just loves being an acupuncturist. She works with a variety of patients wherever they are and is particularly passionate about working with people who struggle with respiratory issues, chronic diseases, fertility and women's health, as well as pain and orthopedic conditions. She doesn't limit her practice to these issues, though, but she's always learning more with and through her patients. And she just loves her job and loves finding the fascination in the human body and condition. So let's welcome Monique. Hello, Monique. It's so good to have you today. Hi, Candace. How are you? Oh, I'm so well. How are you doing? Pretty well. It's evening time here, so I'm kind of wound down-ish, but I don't think it's evening time for you. No, it's not. So you're in Chicago and I'm in Bali and it's morning here. And I'm just so happy to have you. And I understand this year is your 10-year practice anniversary. It is. I'm so excited. Thank you. It's it's kind of a mind blower because it went really fast. So how has your practice changed over time? Oh, that's a good question. Well, when I got out of acupuncture school, I I immediately, almost immediately got my license. I was super lucky that I was able to take my board exams during school. And so I applied for my license right at the end of the schooling. And then once they had my graduate certificate, my diploma, they sent it to the state and I got my license in three weeks. That doesn't happen for everybody. Mm-hmm. It was, I was so lucky. And so I started in June of 2008 and I had 
a couple of people contact me right off the bat and I did some home visits and I worked at a chiropractic office. So I had this really piecemeal practice and I knew I was interested in some things, especially things that I had experienced myself with, which was respiratory conditions and women's health issues. So I knew I liked to treat those. I had some experience in school treating those, but I didn't know how important treating pain was going to be for my practice, which is, it is a big part of acupuncture. It just wasn't, I liked it when I was in school, some aspects of it, but as I've practiced more and more, I am so much more comfortable with a wide variety of pain conditions, I should say. And when I first got out of school and started practicing, I had to work at a bunch of different locations to make ends meet. I couldn't have one physical location where my patients came and I was there four or five days a week. And I'm lucky enough that I think it was about four years into my practice that I was able to just be in one spot, work permanently there, and not have to have multiple it wasn't multiple jobs. I was doing the same thing, but it was essentially in different locations. So that's a, you know, one of the big changes. And I, we were just talking about now I've started using some essential oils. I've learned a lot about a bunch of different supplements too. And I've also learned a lot about Lyme disease and mold toxicity, which I was not taught in school. And I know how to identify that often. I, I, I know when I can suspect it in someone, I know what some of the warning signs are. And so that's really different from 10 years ago or even five years ago, probably. And so the essential oils, that sounds fascinating. And you were mentioning to me earlier about each one touching in on an organ and a channel. Can you tell me more about it and what's been fascinating to you about it? Sure, for sure. I was introduced to this by a woman that I see for acupuncture. Her name is Shelby Baylor. And we went to school together and She's here in Chicago, but she was connected through other friends and um, colleagues to a woman who practices in Madison. Her name is Michelle Marimore, and she, she's she been in practice like 20 years, I think. What she had done, and I don't really know the origin of why she started looking at essential oils, but she started using essential oils with her patients and over 10, 15 years determined through muscle testing, and I can explain that a little bit more too, what oils worked with what problem in the body in terms of Chinese medicine. So in Chinese medicine, we have 14 named channels. We have 12 that are connected to organ systems, and then one that goes down the front of the body and one that goes down the back of the body. But the 12 that are connected to the organ systems, what she did, and she did this for the the front and the back uh, midline channels as well, but what she did was she found how to test people's bodies to see if they had, for example, the gallbladder channel starts on the face and runs to the foot. And so people can have a problem along the gallbladder channel, like say they can have one-sided headache. That's a very common gallbladder channel problem. People can also have gallbladder organ problems, which would be like trouble digesting fats or a gallbladder attack where they have a lot of pain and digestive distress. Sometimes patients, when they come to me for acupuncture, they're not in an acute crisis all the time. Sometimes they're, you know, somewhere on the spectrum of having a problem, but maybe they're not in the acute crisis. And the thing about these oils is she developed, number one, which oils go with which organs and channels, and then placing them on the body. What I do is I put the bottle of the oil on the person's body, 
And then I press on a on an organ or a channel referral area. It's usually an organ referral area. And people will feel a change in pain just with the bottle of the oil on their body. I don't know if that makes sense to you. It's the trippiest thing. It's really cool. That's so cool. It like pulls together so many things. And just for me, I do understand because I work with somebody that does that, not with the oils, but with other things like everything else. (laughs) So I'm like, yep, "Yep, gotcha. But for the audience, uh, yeah, if you have any way you want to explain that, feel free. But that's amazing. The field is muscle testing. Michelle does this with supplements too. Chiropractors do this, naturopaths, lots of different healing types of folks do it where you hold on to a substance and it makes a change in your body. And that change tells the practitioner if your body's going to like it or need it, or if your body isn't going to like it or need it. Right. Mm-hmm. And she, w- the thing about the way that the oils are working is the patient has to do nothing. They're laying there and I'm palpating places on their body that correspond to different organ systems. And patients will say to me like, this is magic. The bottle mm. isn't even open. It's just on my abdomen and that pain on my side is gone. So it's kind of cool. And now some people are very complicated and they have a bunch of stuff going on. So they might have not a complete change in the pain, but a 50% diminishment. I mean, I'll take it. And what I do then is I put the oil on their body. Michelle knows way more about the oils and the oils that I'm using are produced by the Young Living Company because of their manufacturing process produces really clean, high quality oils. There's other companies out there and I've tried other ones. I like these the best, but you put them on the body and they do help to what Michelle says is like cleanse hormone receptor sites. So the oils will do something to kind of reset the body. The points will do something to kind of address the condition. Herbs, supplements, they all do different things, but they can all work together to be more powerful. And I'm finding that when I get to do this with people, they have, I don't want to say quicker results, but I think we get deeper faster. So it's pretty cool. And sometimes I have really complicated people. Yeah. So that's that's one of the things that I'm pretty fascinated with lately. But Chinese medicine is just plain old fascinating. So there's no lack of stuff for me to learn. I know there's so much. It's such a complex system. And when you have a patient, what goes on in your mind in this sort of inner mapping of how you see what's happening and what is needed and what the root causes are, if that's where you're thinking? Well, it usually takes time. Initially, when I see folks, and you probably have a parallel experience, I would imagine from a psychodynamic or therapeutic perspective, because People can come to me and give me a list of their symptoms. I will look at their tongue. I'll feel their pulses. I might ask them to do um, some sort of movement if I'm trying to do an orthopedic test or palpate, you know, referral areas. But really, I might have a have an idea of what I think the root cause is. But for some people, the root cause is quite buried. So I really start with what what do we have to work on today to get you on the path to feeling better whatever that looks like. And I do use, along with the oils, Michelle has some recommended point prescriptions based on the different oils. And I will use some of them or some, and some of them are really great. They're based on a Korean four needle treatment. Um, But sometimes I'm just sort of intuiting what I think that person needs, or I'm doing a lot of palpation. 
on different points to see how reactive they are. It's really, I want to say it is often different for every person, but you have to start somewhere. And people are complicated, especially when it comes to the way Chinese medicine looks at people, because we're looking at every aspect of your health. Of course, the chief complaint is the chief complaint, and we need to address that. But I need to look at other factors too for the root cause. So I don't, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but really what I try to do is say, let's figure out what's going to provide the most change the quickest and get that addressed. And then more will be shown as your body changes. Because sometimes people don't even tell me about things that are going on and I'll start them on an herbal formula and they will be like, you know, we're working on indigestion or something. And they'll say, oh, my legs don't twitch at night anymore. And I'm like, I didn't even know your legs twitch at night anymore. <laughs> you know, so it's like, okay, great. And, and, and their indigestion is better too. But that's like, of course, once you're digesting food better, other things are going to work. And that makes sense when you think about it. But, you know, sometimes I am just waiting to see what that person comes back with the next time I see them. Like, what changed? How much did it change? What did you notice in between the treatments? Because it's definitely a process. It's, it's, I mean, thinking like therapy, you know, it's a process. It's definitely a process and staying with what's there in the moment and then seeing what kind of feedback the body gives is, it sounds like what you're, what you're saying. And this piece about, oh, my legs stopped shaking or twitching. I experienced that myself. I didn't even know about certain symptoms and whatever my healer or chiropractor and I were working on, it just like revealed itself or became somehow aware of it. <laughs> and they were like, why didn't you tell me that before? And so that happens to me more so in the past when I wasn't as aware, but I can see how that can happen. Well, and when we're in our body, I think it's hard to know what's when we're in our body, which is all the time, of course. But in my body, I know what I think is normal. And then I come to somebody and I say, like, this is happening. And unless I get some feedback from somebody else, or maybe my friends will tell me, you know, I, I'm thinking of women and menstruation, which who knows if we want to talk about this, but, you know, what's normal for a woman? I've had women tell me, like, isn't this normal? And I'm like, gosh, you're in so much pain. That's not normal. Oh, or yeah. it's so, you know, it's your period is so heavy. It doesn't have to be like that. But They've been to their doctor. Their doctor has been like, yeah, that's fine. And I don't want to, again, say all doctors are bad, but I think they're pressed for time. And maybe, you know, patients aren't always with them as much as I am, so they don't get as much information. I mean, I'm asking, like, tell me about the flow every day. So, yeah, I think that it's really a lot of folks live with things that they don't actually have to because it sort of feels like, oh, this is how my body is. And I don't, yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. It's like we don't even know that there's something different until we do, and then it's it becomes apparent. And that's okay, because life is about healing along whatever path, right? Whether it's emotional or physical or both, I think. So if that person then gets relief from that, great. But undoubtedly, we all have stuff for the rest of our lives, too. Yes, right. I've heard you talk a little bit about trauma with uh, your interview with Sarah Buino and, and working with that. Can you s say more about your experience with it or what you see and if there are any common themes within TCM and trauma that you work with? Well, that is very interesting to ask. I guess what I can say is I don't specifically work with 
trauma where I say to somebody, we're going to do a trauma treatment today, for example. But I do tend to have people show up in my practice mm-hmm. who have had trauma. And I don't know, maybe that's every acupuncturist experience. I can't really speak to the whole practice. But I think what I said on Sarah's podcast was that I did have a, um, a person say to me, a psychic say to me, you are going to have a lot of people who have been through hard stuff show up in your office because you have as well. And not to like go into all of that, but I do think I am hopefully a compassionate person. That's my number one goal is to say to someone like, this is affecting you and there are ways to get through it. Trauma is stored in the body, I think. And I think there's a lot of research about that. And that is certainly a tenet of Chinese medicine. For sure, emotions can make people sick. So, you know, I guess for me, I guess I would think about like fear and anger as the two, and probably grief, but not so much as the immediate emotion associated with trauma. And fear is related to the kidneys in Chinese medicine, and anger is related to the liver. So, again, everybody is different, but what I do see is um, people who have you know, maybe trouble with alcohol and they need to quit drinking and they may have experienced like physical, emotional abuse in their life. I do encourage folks to get therapeutic help because I certainly don't think this actually happens right now, but I don't want to be the only person they're talking to about this stuff. That's not my training. I personally have done EMDR. I think you and I had a conversation about this like years ago. And I, after talking to you, I was like, I really want to do EMDR. And I hadn't, I knew about it before then, but I hadn't pursued it. And then I had somebody else. Again, my spiritual advisor psychic said, I think EMDR would be really helpful for you for your childhood trauma. And I did it. And I just saw such huge results in myself. Oh, good. Huge results. Well, plus combined with everything you practice with TCM, I imagine it was just such a nice, like, in tandem fit. Yes, I absolutely agree. And we have a protocol that is called the NADA protocol. And, um, and it is a protocol developed, was developed by, oh my gosh, I'm not going to remember his name. Maybe it was Michael Smith, Michael White. I think it was Michael Smith. It was by a gentleman in um, New York who was working with, I think, heroin addicts. And he started doing these auricular points. Those are points in the ear. And he developed this protocol of certain points to use to help these men and women who were in this rehab facility stop using drugs. And they were going through other types of treatment as well. But his work and research really developed that as a, as a very effective adjunctive therapy to help people who are trying to quit something that they were addicted to. Oh, so great. It's really cool. And you can do it with somebody in a chair. They don't have to disrobe. And it works for trauma too. There are some acupuncturists who do, there's an organization called Acupuncturists Without Borders and they go like Doctors Without Borders, but they, they mostly go, I think in the United States, but after Katrina, they went and treated the first responders. And it was just all of these ear points or the people who were living that. And I mean, essentially what it does is just calms your nervous system down because being in 
that fight or flight mode over time is so terrible for your body. And, you know, I'm sure, I think you, you know this, I, I don't even know if this is true, but I think trauma is so deeply stored, right? It's always kind of coming back for people if they have something like PTSD, the memories or the reactions. Correct me if I'm wrong. I really don't know how it works. It's like if something is incomplete in their experience, and what I have found is not just in their personal experience, but also in the family lineage. And so if things are incomplete, they're going to want completion somewhere and it will find its way down the the line of the ancestry. So if in the nervous system, there's a fight or a flight response, like a need to protect, a need to run away or to scream that didn't get had, then that experience will kind of get stuck and want that completion. And so the body's just trying to do that when we have um, the flashbacks and all of those symptoms. It's just trying, but it's also in the space where it doesn't feel safe because if you don't complete that, you're, the animal body's saying to you, you're still not safe. You're still not safe. So that makes so much sense to just calm the nervous system. We, I think about it all the time, just like calming the collective nervous system would just be so great, like by many levels. <laughs> Oh my gosh. We so well, you need are, that. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told you about this, but I did a, um, well, we talked about that I had been at a family constellation retreat. Maybe you don't remember that, I but do. I had done that. And there had been, um, there was a guy there and it was really, it was really great. That was, is that the only one that I've ever done? I've done the individual workshops one-on-one with a gentleman here in Chicago, but I did that weekend workshop with a guy, um, I want to say from North Carolina, and again, I'm not going to remember his name, but he was telling us about people doing these these uh, family constellations for the earth and for like the United States. And I was like, that is so awesome because we totally need that. We so <laughs> need it. And I, I can't help but think about your background as a city planner and that you were saying the organ channels, the meridians are the mapping for the body. And then we have this idea of doing constellations to heal the earth and the countries. Everything has an energy. Yeah, for sure. And we see it in it. We see it in constellations work and it's, we can bring it to life in a sort of personified way. And so we get it <laughs> like, Oh, <laughs> there's something happening between the U S and yeah. X country. Yeah. Mm. Well, and that was one of the, I, when I did that constellation workshop, it just blew my mind. Number one, I did not think I was going to be able, I'm so rational that I thought there's no way they're going to put me in this field, I guess. I don't know what you call it, but it was kind of like a field and I'm going to be a person in this person's story, not know, but have feelings that reflect that person in their story. And maybe I told you this, but I, I played someone dead in someone's constellation and I literally could not open my eyes. I kept saying, open your eyes, open your, well, I didn't say it the whole time. I tried initially, but it was so, I, I just, I really loved it because it proved to me, you know, yes, you can actually do this. You're not so stuck in your rational mind. So powerful. Anyway, you've done a lot of those. That's so powerful. Do you see anything like that in your work? Whether that's maybe your intuition sensing in or the experience that you can access that? I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not sure about, I mean, I think, I think I get your question now. Initially I was like, do I see family constellations on the table? And I don't, but I do see, of course, I talk to people about their family histories or their medical histories. And then they will tell me X, Y, and Z happened to my you know, mom. She had trouble having a baby. I had trouble having a baby or she was two weeks late with all of her deliveries. I was two weeks late with all of my deliveries. I mean, there's interesting things like that. Not always exactly the same, but, um, yeah, I do try to access my intuition with patients too. I'm lucky to have another woman who's a mentor to me, who's a chiropractor and I've known her for a long time now, since I moved to Chicago almost She's been a chiropractor for 20 years. Her name is Stephanie Maid. You know, she's like, you're going to get more intuitive with your patients where it's not going to be so this is the problem, then this is the point prescription. She didn't know those terms, you know, but that you're going to you're going to decide, okay, well, today this person, I think this is what they're going to need. And that's what I try to do when I'm actually doing my treatment, even though I'll talk to a patient and I'll walk out of the room to wash my hands kind of collect my thoughts about what are we doing today? And I'll come up with the plan. I'm already making the plan when I'm in there talking to them, but I'll come back in and I may change my mind based on what I start noticing or feeling when I'm with them. And we're usually talking about other stuff too. And then I'm palpating their body. So I I do try to get in touch with that because I think it is, it can be helpful. I mean, I've definitely had other, you know, intuitive flashes more so as I get older. I think when I was younger, I just really didn't want to, not that I didn't want to be intuitive, but I was more cloudy and unclear myself. Yeah, that sharpens over time or that refines. Well, and I've had to do a lot of work on myself. So the more work I do on myself, I think the less gunk I have. And so maybe I can be more useful to my patients because I'm hopefully a little more of a clear channel. Mm-hmm. That's the clinical term, right? Gunk. <laughs> that is the clinical term. I No, it is not. But that's <laughs> the best. But that's how it feels like gunk. Yes. You know, emotional. I mean, I've had to do, I don't want to say, I've had, I mean, I've had to do a lot of my own work and I'm really grateful for it because my life is amazing. I have a really, I really cannot complain about my life. There's things I wish were different, but I feel very, very, very fortunate. I get to do something that I love. I have really wonderful relationships with my friends and family. I I like myself most of the time. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's really awesome. All of those things. That is really awesome. Yes. I'm so happy for you. And, and you've worked to get here. So that's, it, it pays. Well, it does. But I will tell you, I'm very intolerant of discomfort and pain. So emotional or physical. So I'm always looking for solutions. I am a seeker. I'm like, oh, this might help me. I'm going to try that. Well, you know, like I've done yeah, kinds of stuff, you know, because somebody says this could help you. And the, the thing with the family constellation that I did that one time, I was, I was like, I was given more information. I have this kind of mystery side of my family that I don't know a ton about. I was given more information and it was pretty dark. And also then when I did another family constellation, trying to get more information, it was sort of like, no, they're not really going to tell you anything else. And so, you know, interesting. Yeah. So sometimes it's like, okay, stop worrying about the past. Just look at what you're doing here. You've got enough information. 
I had that experience in a constellation for myself where I kept wanting to turn around and look at certain people and what was happening back there. And this, the facilitator noticed that pattern in me and she was like, face the future, just don't turn around. And I was like, but my dad is, you know, and she's like, no, wow, <laughs> it's none of your business. That's crazy. It's none of your business. And yeah, and that was kind of upsetting, but powerful. Yeah. But that's a cool message, right? Face the future. Because I think people do get stuck in the past. It's easy. It is. We want something to happen or we're just used to, we're just used to looking that way because that there's a part of our unconscious world that's working something out there. Yeah. And then we miss out on what's in front of us or what's here now. Yeah, for sure. Well, I remember um, I saw you for the first time just years ago and I think that that's why I've wanted to stay in touch with you, Monique, oh, is that okay. I've just appreciated you and, and you. your authenticity. Yes, you're welcome, especially your authenticity. And I know that you're, <clears throat> excuse me, you're very professional with your patients and you don't share your world because this is a space for them. But here in this conversation, I'm just wondering how you're experiencing yourself now if what challenges are you experiencing if, if you want to talk about anything? Sure. Well, and I mentioned this on the last podcast that I did, and, and it's something that I do feel pretty passionately about, but I, I do have chronic Lyme disease right now. I'm not suffering a lot because of it, but it's always going to be with me. Yay. And I feel like that is something that a lot of people have and don't know they have. So that's kind of awful, but I've gotten such great care and I've learned a ton about what that condition is like. And it's a very complicated situation. So everybody is different, but I've learned a lot. And then a mm -hmm. couple of years ago, I was in an office that had a, a major water leak and it did not get addressed rapidly enough and they didn't actually me remediate it correctly. So I got um, sick again with it's uh, in, it kind of like a chronic inflammatory condition or mold toxicity. Uh, people will call those buildings sick buildings or sick building syndrome. And so lately, what I've been working on is detoxing from being exposed to that mold. The irony is that, or not irony, but the strange thing is that people who have Lyme disease, when they are exposed to mold, they have very similar symptoms as to having like active Lyme disease is the best way for me to say it. Mostly, you know, I'm not an expert, so I don't want to purport myself to be one, but mostly what it looks like is just a ton of rampant inflammation in your body. And it's awful. It's not very fun. And part of it I've learned is because my genetics, my makeup doesn't detoxify well. And so when I was going to my acupuncturist, they would be like, wow, you're so stagnant. That's the term. Like if you have a lot of pain, a lot of gunk, like things aren't moving. But I was underneath that stagnation. I was deficient. They would say like, wow, but you're stagnant, but you're so deficient. And that's what a person who has chronic Lyme disease looks like. That's what a person who has mold toxicity looks like. I'm sure there's other conditions that look like that because the body can't identify the toxins correctly to be able to get rid of them. And they're called mycotoxins with Lyme disease. They're called, um, 
oh my gosh, what are they call mycotoxins? No, because mycotoxins is from mold, but they're like all of these inflammatory chemicals that are made um, by the bacteria or by the the mold toxins. My body can't recognize those things and get rid of them properly. So it's just trying to do what it can to get rid of it, but it really doesn't know what's going on. And when I started seeing the doctor who helped me the most to identify the Lyme disease in me, I was having markers for autoimmune diseases were starting to come up for me because my body did not know how to get rid of and identify correctly the problem, essentially. And so it's really, really, really fascinating. And I will tell you, part of the process, my doctor said to me, oh, have you experienced trauma? You have to deal with, you got to do some trauma therapy to heal. A lot of people have to do trauma therapy to heal from Lyme disease. I'm like, okay, (laughs) tell me what to do. I'll go try it. You know, that wasn't my whole motivation. I was really grateful. I'm grateful she told me that. And I also knew I had stuff that a lot of the work I had already been doing had not taken care of this really old, old, old childhood trauma stuff. That's what I've been thinking about and and working on myself for the past four or five years. It's been a long kind of road. So I, I do I do attract people who have Lyme disease and don't know it a lot of times, I think. But, yeah. you know, and it's unfortunate because wh- what happens and what happened for me is I was just going to like my general doctor and she was like, well, you're fine. Your blood sugar's a little high, but you're fine. And I'm like, I know I'm not fine. I don't feel right. But nobody could figure it out or they didn't know how to look. That's the thing. So that's a that's a big thing. And the mold thing is just really no no party at all either. But I, I have gotten better with that. And I've learned a lot about like how to help detoxify, what you do, what supplements and all of that stuff. So Chinese medicine is really, really powerful. Acupuncture herbs are so helpful with those things too. Is there an herb that just counteracts the the mold inflammation? <laughs> you know, the magic antidote. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be Please. nice? No, but the magic... The magic antidote probably for mold is activated charcoal. So, or there's drugs that do this, but what you have to do is you have to bind it up. You have to bind up the toxins and get them out of your system. And so there's drugs that do it. There's a cholesterol drug that I took last year to do it. There, anyway, there's a variety, but you can use chlorella, you can use activated charcoal, there's bentonite clay that it, it, they all have kind of like specifics because different types of mold cause different types of toxins too. It is a complicated party. If there was one thing that would be so great, I would love that. Oh, well, I hope, I hope it continues to clear up. Thank you. And, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. And I, that's a, a lot to work with. It is, but I do, you know, for the most part lately, I've been feeling really good and I'm so grateful for that. I, I do have a team of professionals that help me. Yeah. So you know, there's definitely hope for people in that situation too. It's just a long process and it takes a lot of different appointments and research and being tenacious. Mm-hmm. And being so much attention to self, returning the attention sounds like. Yeah. So Monique, I want to switch gears okay. and go to what I shared with you earlier, the lightning round. Yay. Yes. So I'll just... Uh, Ask a few questions and just say whatever comes to you, and they'll be just short and brief. Okay, this is one I'm just so excited to ask you. If you were an organ channel, which one would you be? Oh, I think I would be the gallbladder. 
And why? Well, it goes all over the body. I mean, it just gets to be on both sides. So it's not yin, it's not yang. It's kind of, I mean, it is technically yang channel, but I don't know, it just zigzags. And I think it's got a really interesting pathway. That's so fascinating. Cool. Okay. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with your extra time? Oh my God. So much. Definitely. I like to read, but I do also love to watch TV. I have been playing a lot of games on my phone. This sounds so unprofessional. I I like to play this design (laughs) game where you design these different rooms. It's really interesting. Oh, Uh, fun. Yeah, it, it is fun. Like an interior design? Yes, it's an interior design game. This person oh. was so smart that thought this up. Design home is what it's called. Um, if I didn't have to sleep, I would go on little trips <laughs> during the night if I could. <laughs> to like, I would love to time travel, not time travel, but space travel, like to the mountains and back or to the ocean and back. But, you know, another fun thing to do would be to go sailing. So All of those sound great. <laughs> yes, that sounds awesome. What has required the most courage of you in your life so far? Probably being openly gay. So it wasn't something I thought about talking on on the podcast about, but I'm happy to, you know, being open with my family. I have a very big family and I'm, my mom was one of 13 children and I'm the only openly gay person. So that was, that was pretty intense. Wow. Yeah, that sounds intense. Thanks for sharing. Okay. What was your first job ever? I'm not sure if it was working at this chicken restaurant in Baton Rouge called Mrs. Winners. It was like a fried chicken place. The chicken was delicious. Or I also in high school worked in the lingerie department at a department store. I think I didn't do much babysitting. So I I don't want to count that. Like I babysat maybe once a year. So yeah. Always get some interesting responses to what's your first job. Yeah, I mean, my first job was at, I guess it was babysitting and I didn't do it very, very much early on. But then my first more official job was at a driving school. Oh, and my best friend and I decided to try to get a job together so we could work the same hours and hang out. And we managed to do it. That sounds fun. (laughs) It was a very... It was so fun. It was a really disorganized driving school. And he just, the the owners had like a stack of permits that he never got to his students. And we just created a job for ourselves and it worked out. Wow. So you weren't teaching driving. You were filling out the form. Okay. We were just like typing up permits and returning phone calls that were never returned. Wow. If we weren't there. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. Last question is what is the strangest dream you've ever had? The one dream that I'm thinking of, which is not really that strange, but I did dream once that my brother was shot. It was such a horrible dream. So I'm going to call that the strangest and indefinitely probably worst dream because I think I had it in my 20s and that was 20 years ago. And it still stays with me. That sounds painful. Like it can even, I just feel something when you say that. Oh, it was very painful. And the morning I woke up, I was very shocked. But my brother's alive and well, so I don't think that it actually is relevant to anything except my brain doing weird stuff when I lived in New Orleans. And it was there that the dream was set too. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. What about you? I want to know your strangest dream. Strangest dream. Mm. (laughs) Well, what just came to my mind at this moment that I laughed out loud was 
this was maybe three years ago, and I don't know the context of it, but all I remember when I woke up was there was a lady cake. Wow. A a lady cake. And it was literally a a giant, like, life-size cake in in the form of a, a woman. Wow. And it was like the coolest thing. I didn't eat it. But I was just wow. so fascinated by the fact that there was a lady cake. And <laughs> I shared it with my friend and she was like, that is the coolest thing. I'm going to start calling you lady cake. Like, isn't that a cool name? Lady cake. That is a cool so, name. Yeah. So that's stuck with me. I I don't know if it's the strangest one because I've, I have really strange dreams and and I also have very mundane ones, but I, I just love my dream world. So. That's just one piece. It's been recommended to me more than once to keep a dream journal. And so I do Mm -hmm. dream a lot. I think it wouldn't be a bad idea, but I have yet to do it. Maybe I'll start now. Oh, yeah. Keep me posted. It's I find that I am off and on with my dream journal and I just do it on my phone because I can't write in the dark and I don't want to turn the lights on. Mm -hmm. And usually if I don't write it right when I wake up, and I usually wake up at some point in the night, then I forget. And so I'm just like in the middle of the night texting myself on this like one note, you know, note. That's um, awesome, though. App. That's a good plan. Well, fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything else that you want to share today? I don't think so. I think that that was a great talk. It's so nice to talk to you. And it's so fun to watch you travel the world and have all of your adventures. I admire what you're doing. and. um I'm glad. It, I am going to say, regardless of the ups and downs, it looks like it's going amazingly well. So, Thank you. Thank you. It's, it is. And part of it was to give myself that space to have the ups and downs in yeah. a more like, natural and slower pace. And Chicago is just so fast paced. And so I just couldn't stay there too much longer. No yeah. kidding. It's fast. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. It was so much fun to talk with you. And I learned so much, Monique. Thanks so much. Well, and thank you, Candace, for asking me. It's been a joy. Thank you so much, Monique, for joining us on the show. I just loved how you shared about your personal stories as well as all of the fascination that you have with the human body and essential oils and applied kinesiology. It's just wonderful to have Monique today. She's just so respectful, thorough, and down to earth. If you ever go to her practice, she just does the works with the assessment, which is really fun, tongue diagnosis, pulse diagnosis, and just getting to know you. You can find her practice at www.meridian87.com, and that's linked in the show notes with this episode at candicewu.com slash podcasts. And if you like this episode, if it speaks to you or you like what I do here and would like to support my work, please go to CandiceWu.com slash Patreon to make a donation of any amount, which will just support me in making more episodes, interviewing more people and bringing wholehearted meditations and practices to you uh, continually on the Embody podcast. Also, I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter and become a member of the Embody community at CandiceWu.com slash Embody, where you can get lots of free resources, healing meditations, and information about future retreats, workshops, private sessions, and other offerings that I have. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time on the Embody podcast.